Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. Also, this Positive Head podcast is definitely a labor of love for Dalian and I, but make no mistake, it takes a lot of time, energy, and resources to produce five episodes each and every week for you, our listeners. So if you enjoy the Positive Head podcast, it would be stellar and much appreciated if you showed us your support at positivehead.com by picking up one of our unique Positive Head bracelets. Of course, you would most certainly be helping yourself in the process because it functions as much more than just another stylish accessory. And if you haven't ever seen one, they're really cool, simple little bracelets with our Flower of Life Sacred Geometry inspired logo. They're actually made out of recycled tires and metal, so our intention is, of course, to do something positive by giving new life to previously discarded goods, and as far as their functionality goes, they act as a daily reminder to help you focus on the positive aspects of your daily life. The concept was actually inspired by studies that you can read about on our our website, but besides that, many people believe just wearing something with sacred geometry is empowering in and of itself, uh, which you can also read about on our site. And of course, as the Buddha once famously said, what you think you become. So we believe having something on your wrist that reminds you to keep a positive head, the same way a Fitbit reminds you to keep active, makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, we charge way less than Fitbit for helping you to manage your mental health because we let you name your price for your positive head bracelet. The reason we do that is because our heartfelt intention is to spread the positivity at all costs, first and foremost. That is our primary aim. And we don't ever want money to stand in the way of somebody wearing one. So if money is super tight and you want to pay as low as our cost to get one, no problem. On the flip side, if you love our podcast and just hit the lotto and want to show us your support by paying a million dollars for one, well, that won't hurt our feelings much either, I assure you. Uh, Lastly, we also recently added a unique new line of t-shirts that have what we call chemistry quotes written out on them that help to spread the positivity as well. So head over to positivehead.com, check out all our wares, pick something up to show us your support if you feel inclined to do so. All right, all you positive heads, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. Hello, Dalian. How goes it, my friend? Hi there. Happy Friday or whatever day, day of the week listening. or yeah, time Happy of Happy Wednesday at three in the morning, whoever's yeah. listening to this on Wednesday at three in the morning. Happy know eternity that you are now. a very magical, special soul, whoever that may be. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's the perfect time now, and you're beautiful right now. Right, exactly. So there, we created a little bit of magic with the universe with that random, sporadic comment that is probably, no, is definitely going to reach somebody at some time on a Wednesday at three in the morning, and they will know that it was meant from them, for them, from the universe randomly coming through us. Now, how Aww. cool is that? That's creating some magic. And nice. whoever that person is... Why don't you write us after it happens and let us know to confirm our craziness? I mean, our brilliance. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if it's uh, two, three years from now, we'll remember. Brandon yeah, whatever it is, whoever it is who needed that message at that time and it was Wednesday at three in the morning, wherever they were listening to this episode. Yes, you got to write us. You have no choice. You're part of this, uh, this magical co-creation. So, Galen, what's going on today with you? Uh, well, I've got a uh, great story, a great article that I found uh, that's going to be my uh, mysterious slash positive story. Mysterious uh, story of the day mm-hmm. or interesting story of the day. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's I think it's a really good one, Brandon, because right on the heels, of course, of our um, release of the uh, Eben Alexander Dr. Alexander podcast with his, of course, fascinating, incredible, amazing otherworldly experience um 
it, what should I find? But a uh, pretty awesome article on the renaissance of psychedelic research. Cool. In, in part, yeah, in particular concerning a study that was done at NYU. Uh, where psilocybin is being given to terminal patients. It's ah, being given yeah. to cancer patients. I think I've patients. heard about this, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think similar studies have been done recently, but there's been a renaissance uh, that's, I think, pretty much in full swing right now concerning everything to do with scientific, medical, and you yeah. know, psychiatric research of the therapeutic uses of psychedelics like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, and others, right? Yeah, and if this is something that interests you guys, check out one of our past podcasts several months ago with Rick Doblin from MAPS, uh, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. Um, he's been at that for a long time, trying to bring bring it back into the mainstream consciousness and show the benefits. And so luckily there's some, after I think like three decades of that work, there is a lot of movement in his direction. So his intention and energy uh, has paid off to some degree. And of course, many others, but he's just one that is fascinating interview. And of course we, we talk about um, you know, psychedelics and plant medicines on several uh, past episodes. So definitely check those out because it is a fascinating subject. Indeed, he is mentioned in this article because this article oh, goes in, into a fair bit of depth. Yeah, they um, give you a little bit of the history of how this whole thing has unfolded since uh, the earliest days of uh, psychedelic uh, research. They mentioned, you know, how Albert Hoffman synthesized LSD for the first time in 1958, I think it was. Yeah, and, the famous uh, bicycle ride uh, while he was tripping is, uh-huh. uh, yeah, something to look up if you guys are, don't know about it. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, yeah, so yeah, let me just read you a quick bit from the article here. Uh, and uh, yeah, they get into you know all the details of the history and all that. It's actually been 40 years since, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because... Um, Right after the summer of love, Brandon, in 1969, yeah. uh, it was the following year, 1970, that uh, Richard Nixon signed the uh, Controlled Substances Act that put uh, pretty much all psychedelics under Schedule One. Stop which is, consciousness expansion. Yes, conform to the system that we are trying to fit you in this very small box. Do uh-huh. not expand your consciousness. Yes, got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> let me read you real quick a little paragraph here. As the drug war subsides, scientists are eager to reconsider the therapeutic potential of these drugs, beginning with psilocybin. Last month, The Lancet, the United (laughs) Kingdom's most prominent medical journal, published a guest editorial in support of such research. The effects of psilocybin resemble those of LSD, but as one researcher explains, it carries none of the political and cultural baggage of those three letters. Yeah. So it's really interesting because they do mention, of course, um, how that whole you know, political bag- baggage came about from the initial very high enthusiasm that the uh, earliest researchers had. And, you know, of course, they mentioned Timothy Leary, all these people, um, Aldous Huxley, and how he was um, pushing for research to be for actual clinical, serious, double-blind studies to be done. Sure. They mentioned the Good Friday experiment and all that. So it goes into all that detail, but it's interesting because it does reference, you know, exactly what you just said. They talk about how the initial enthusiasm gives way to sort of an exuberance that quickly leads to some people getting a little careless. And then there's a sort of a backlash effect where sure. the, because these substances, of course, prompt us to um, reconsider and question so much of what we know, there's this sort of authoritarian um, reaction, right? Right. And, um, you know, there's, this sort of uh, expanded mindset really potentially threatens the, um, you know, cultural order and all of that, you know, all these powers that be, right? Yeah. So uh, it's, they, they, you know, of course, get into how there was that initial backlash that created this 40 decade, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a four decade, you know, 40 year yeah. uh, blackout on, yeah. on all this research. But it gives you a little bit of context and all that. And I think that what's really fascinating is how now um, doctors and scientists are seeing that um, offering the the kind of amazing, just profound and transformative um, healing power that these substances can give a terminal cancer patient, you know, ease uh, the transition, the mm-hmm. end of life transition for a lot of people who, you know, would otherwise be filled with fear. Right. That is such a huge, um, you know, these people see the effects that these substances can have on someone who would otherwise be suffering tremendously and they they're just astounded they they say you know we really don't have anything like that out there right now that can have such a lasting profound impact on someone and that effect alone is so remarkable that it's prompting them to reconsider everything they've thought so yeah yeah i mean it it essentially like uh you referenced dr eben alexander um you know who we just uh, released an interview with uh, highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out it's so fascinating harvard neurosurgeon who went into a coma and uh, 
you know, believe consciousness was created in the brain, went into a coma after getting this aggressive form of meningitis uh, that destroyed his brain. Doctor said, pull the plug. He's done. He came back with this incredible story and uh, about, you know, consciousness and the oneness of all things and his ultra real experience on the other side. And as in, in that interview uh, I had with him where I was talking about, you know, plant medicines, and I really like referring to them as medicines more than drugs because it really is a medicine for people. It, it truly is. And um, these medicines like, you know, psilocybin or, you know, DMT, ayahuasca, uh, LSD, all of them uh, have this effect of, as he put it, it it's, it's um, taking the filter off so your brain is filtering out what is true reality and consciousness into this very finite experience of your life on earth. So you don't remember past lives. You don't remember all these sorts of things. And um, so it gives this one really the, the meaning and impact that you want it to have. And when you start playing with, you know, utilizing these medicines to just say, hey, I want to see more about what's going on. Uh, it's it's removing some of that filter. Uh, and certainly, you know, there's differing degrees. DMT will rip the filter off completely and you are in other dimensions. Uh, LSD or psilocybin gives you kind of this in-between state and gives you a taste. So, um, you know, I, I can certainly see why people who are approaching death would uh, really benefit from getting a glimpse into uh, the, the, the other side, so to speak, and, and, and expanding their consciousness and not to be so fearful about this life. And, you know, it makes me think of this, uh, quote that I just saw from the, the Bhagavad Gita. And it says, you know, as the embodied soul continuously passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similar, similarly passes into another body at death. A sober person is not bewildered by such a change. And so <laughs> you can take that and say psilocybin is making the person sober <laughs> in that sense, right? They're no longer as bewildered by the change because they've become sober in the sense that the psilocybin has removed the filter that helps them to see there's not anything to fear. Yeah, that's um, well said. And uh, I think something that is figuring into uh, changing the mindsets of people who um, are very smart, of course, but otherwise uh, needed to re-examine their models because um, some of these uh, doctors and psychiatrists that are quoted in this article, Brandon, they um, some of them are the classic example of someone who had no personal uh, experience at all with psychedelics, right? One of these guys says, um, you know, when I was in medical school, they didn't even talk about it, right? Yeah. So it wasn't even in his fear of consciousness at all until, like, say, maybe um, some random article came across this, like, um, you know, he saw uh, some... Re Actually, they, they mentioned it, a study that was done in 2006 at Johns Hopkins University mm -hmm. on psychedelics, mm -hmm. which was a groundbreaking <clears throat> study at the time, 10 years ago, and starting to shift uh, the whole... Um, you know, model in that direction 10 years ago, starting yeah. to open up this research again. So this guy, these guys are at uh, New York University, of course, at NYU. But once they saw that uh, study was being done, that gave them the um, confidence that they could um, go through the, um, you know, it's a fairly lengthy, very convoluted, of course, very mm -hmm. rigorous process of applying for the permits and getting the NDA and the FDA to, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, mm -hmm. that whole thing. But um, what's fascinating is that these guys are, are, are saying, you know, I had no uh, prior experience personally with psychedelics. A lot of the people that are, you know, volunteers in our studies, ca cancer patients and all these people, they had no experience a lot of times mm -hmm. with psychedelics, right? And to go from this like kind of blank slate state to having a profound, what's ostensibly a profound mystical experience that yeah. fits like pretty much all the points of, you know, an actual mystical experience, right? Whether it's induced by psychedelics or not, they're seeing that it fits that mold. It's got the uh, high quality that they would expect from something like that. Because, you know, they follow up on, on, on the patients like six months you know, later, years later, like in the case of Rick Do uh, Doblin's um, yeah. research. And they see that it's, it's, you know, it was a real thing in the person's experience. It had a profound impact on them. And then the, uh, like you were saying, the effect of relief and well-being that can spring from that as opposed to, you know, ordinary consciousness. And, you know, they mentioned how like Xanax isn't really effective, yeah. you know what I mean? As opposed to something like this that you take once and it can change your whole model for years to come. Right. You know, With it's no long-term negative side effects. And actually, exactly. there's uh, studies that have now shown that... Um, uh, psilocybin, which is the you know compound that's found in uh, the psycho uh, psychedelic element or psychoactive compound in um, 
you know, mushrooms, uh, is uh, actually creates new brain cell growth. We didn't even think that was possible before. So here's this thing that's been, you know, in some sense lumped in and demonized and made illegal that actually causes new brain cells to grow. Like, and uh, it's just so, it's so funny how backwards our society has been. And it kind of makes me think of the the prophecy you talked about in one of the last, um, you know, a couple podcasts ago. Uh, where the guy talked about us being in the age of uh, contradictions. And that's really true. Like we've been in this age of contradictions. Oh, these things are really good for you and these are evil. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I think uh, Xanax is really, really good. And I'm not saying it doesn't have a place or purpose and it couldn't be positive either. But there's certainly things that people have, you know, you look at all the serial killers and or or not serial killers, even uh, people that have done a lot of these mass shootings. Well, the, the one thing across the board, they're all on some sort of uh, antidepressant, you know, uh, and, and people, I know people hearing stories from personal friends and family and, and things of people that have taken it and they got really dark and like suicidal. And so it's like, but these are the things that are good. Don't take this medicine that uh, grows out of the earth and causes you to have new brain cell growth and uh, also totally removes the filter off your consciousness to see that all is love and connected in one. Yeah, don't do that. But, yes, yes. But luckily it's, uh, things are are, are, are changing and uh, the contradiction is correcting itself, it seems. And even, you know, you talked about conventional scientists not knowing and we, we need to move along because obviously you and I could talk about this subject for a long time because we're passionate about it but um, one last thing that I'll point out is I actually had a friend who went to some uh, marriage counseling and he was very open to these sorts of things his wife being more you know kind of uh, had been ingrained that this is all bad and you know losers do this sort of stuff and yada 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 and, and so he kind of started using talking about the evidence with here's the wife him and, and the person counseling this psychiatrist, whatever. And uh, he starts saying, you know, well, have you done the research on MDMA and how much it helps uh, in therapeutic settings and, you know, um, talking about some of these different things, MDMA and I think maybe even ayahuasca. And she she was not even, she hadn't been taught anything. And she was like, well, I'll go do the research, you know. And then the next meeting, she was just like, floored she's like oh my gosh i how did i never get taught any of this uh when she looked and saw the research that was being done kind of under the table you know not in the forefront of her teaching and education and here it is this is the most powerful impactful things you know that's one of the things that rick doblin is on track to do is make mdma legalized by like 20 uh you know i think he said 2021 is what they're slated to have it legalized by is is the path that they're on for uh ptsd and it's it's hugely helpful uh for post-traumatic stress disorder and people that have been in war and things like that so Mm -hmm. um it's yeah it's interesting and exciting and fascinating to see uh how things are coming around and for anyone out there listening who maybe has had a negative perspective on these sorts of things before i I would just challenge you to examine the source of the information when and where you learned that it was evil or bad or you know this is not shooting up heroin or cocaine or things that have a very low vibration that have you know really damaged and destroyed the body we're talking about things that expand the mind show no harm on the body that we ever can see and actually in some cases like you know new cell growth in the brain you know brain cell growth that's was unheard of before Mm -hmm. aside from being a child so um So anyway, moving right along, uh, great story, great, thanks for sharing. Um, What I'd like to spend a little time talking about, uh, actually, I'm going to give the uh, positive pondering breakdown of the day, and it's actually written by our good friend Sue Krebs. Um, She couldn't be with us on the show to actually read it live and direct like she does oftentimes. Um, So I am going to take it upon myself to read her uh, quote that she submitted and her breakdown. Here it goes. Intention and awareness are the two tools that enable us to create anything our heart desires from the universe. And that's a quote by Russell Eric Dobda. I don't know if I pronounced that right. D-O-B-D-A. And here is her breakdown of the quote. Life is energy, the ebb and flow of it, the shifting and changing of it. And we are the creators within our, our own life experience. We direct that flow even as we are participants in the movement of it. Our thoughts give it form create realities with it, and expand it beyond what already exists. With the tools of awareness and intention, we sculpt our lives out of the fabric of life. Awareness has got to be the quintessential building block of personal growth and conscious development. Through awareness, we begin to grasp the enormity of our power to direct thought into form and form into reality. 
With an awareness, we perceive simultaneously our human development and limitations, as well as our spiritual divinity and limitlessness. Our awareness of self connects us to the physical plane, while our awareness of spirit allows us to rise above it. Without awareness, we are shackled to the microcosm of life immediately in front of us. We think that life is merely about playing out whatever role we've assumed, be it mother, father, student, teacher, lover, or hooligan. These are merely roles we wear like clothing to be discarded when their usefulness is outlived. Awareness then allows us to explore the depths of self while expanding to the infinite reaches of all that is. Awareness fills the void of our longing while ensuring that the journey is never complete. There is always more to uncover, discover, and create. Awareness inspires our awe of ourselves and all of all creation. We see our role as both minute and cosmic as we flow and direct energy in our own little words. Awareness brings life to the desires that are born within us, but awareness alone is not enough. In this physical world, action is necessary to create form. It is intention that provides the impetus and the direction to guide our flow of energy. Intention provides the fuel to move energy in the direction of our desires. Together, awareness and intention provide the means to create absolutely anything we choose. We often forget how powerful intentions are in our daily lives. We get so accustomed to the routines which morph into ruts, and we forget to be intentional and deliberate as we go about our business of living. Yet when we set intentions before each segment of our day, we more powerfully direct the energy towards what we are wanting. We give the energy a a definitive direction in which to flow. It is much like setting our destination when programming our GPS. We would never expect our GPS to get us where we want to go without first programming in our destination. Setting our intention is just like that. A few moments at the outset will yield much more satisfying results. When we combine the tools of awareness and intention, we empower ourselves to claim our birthright as the divine creators that we are, and we consciously embrace the joyful journey that life has always meant to be. As always, wow. so eloquently written by Sue Krebs. Uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed reading her words. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I love this topic. I The topic of intention, and it's something that we circle back around all the time. And, you know, this podcast it is meant to be repetitive on purpose so that we can, uh, it's a daily conscious effort to give you, you know, to keep your vibration elevated is your number one aim and goal. And, you know, understanding your intention when you're going into something is so vital to its success, it, especially as we move into this new region uh, of, of space as we're hurtling on spaceship Earth through the cosmos. And if it is indeed true that we're entering a, a a space that is actually heightened vibrationally, which is what is causing the spiritual awakening that's happening on this planet. Uh, I strongly believe your intention is more important than it ever has been. Whatever you're doing, be honest with yourself, sit down with yourself. Why am I doing this? Is it, is it, is it fundamentally good? Is it fundamentally bad? You know, and, and, and of course that's, those are loaded terms, but you know what I mean? Not necessarily, there's no such thing as good or bad. There is, um, positive and negative. What what kind of result are you seeking? If you're seeking a positive result, make sure your intention is line, in line with uh, transparency, truth, uh, abundance, uh, helping others, giving of self, all those sorts of things. And I strongly believe if you are making every intention for every action that you take, it's coming from a good intention. You can't get anything but good. Good, good out, good in. It, it's the way it works. On the contrary, if you have some uh, malintent or, you know, trying to be sneaky or deceptive or uh, the only person you can ever deceive is yourself. Everyone is an, is, an, is an extension of you. So whatever you're doing to another, you're doing to an extension of self. Intention, intention, intention. What is your intention with each action? Make it in line with uh, the, the, the way the source from which we all emanate uh, moves. Get in that stream and you cannot ever fail just to cre- keep putting forth intentions and actions based off of, uh, you know, doing good for yourself and others. Yeah, that was one of my favorite blogs by Sue, I think, uh, out of all the ones she's written. And uh, it really brought to the forefront something that has been kicking around in the back of my head, the words divine creator, because Mm -hmm. creator is the thing that's so crucial here. And it's the thing that 
really gives you um, the the essence of what it is that you are and the power that you hold. That's everything that we're trying to tell you. Everything that you said uh, and the power of intention is because you have that creative power, uh, divine because it is a, a divine thing that we share with the source, with the creator. That uh, is this, you know, divine being we can call God or source or whatever, but. If, if we do conceive of such a creator, then guess what? Uh, we human beings are the one extremely unique and awesome life form that we know on this planet, you know, as sentient beings, because we share in that creative power. Yeah. Of course, we, we, you could say that we're co-creators on this biosphere with all these, um, you know, just an uh, incredible variety of um, animal and plant species. But guess what? The things that makes us human beings so unique and all the you know known universe to us is the the fact that we have this divine creative power, and and that power can manifest in any way that you choose, any way yeah. that we choose, as as we can see collectively, we have summoned so much of that creative power to create amazing things, mm-hmm. and so much of it has been misused, right? Well, energy is neutral by default. I I like to say, you know, it's kind of like clay; it's a lump of clay. Now, what are you going to take when you take your consciousness and then focus it on that energy? What do you turn it into? And, yeah. you know, if you're going to use your intention is, is to do something very positive with that energy, guess what you're getting back? Positive. If your intention is, oh, I'm going to deceive or do something that is a less than, um, you know, less than positive, well, then you're going to get less than positive results. Even if at first it appears to have a short-term gain in, gain in some way, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think fools people the most. I, I can think of people in my own life that I've been intimately in, uh, you know, involved with in the past um, that are no longer really a vibrational match for me, but uh, seeing how much they're embedded in that idea of, oh, I can manipulate and use, you know, uh, selfish, greedy approach to everything in life to get what I want out of it. And then they see results that appear positive short term. And they think that that means that, oh yeah, this is the way it works. This is, this is the approach to life. This is how you do it. And you know, what they don't realize is that's, they have just been fooled hardcore by themselves. And ultimately (laughs) it's that energy that is coming back around. It's not if, but when, so, you know, you want to, you're trying to build your foundation for the future because we're always moving into the future. Well, that's the the worst way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a creative power is so astounding, Brandon, that it really just shocks me sometimes to see how it's it's so profound and yet we constantly go from you know this confidence and whatever it is that we think we can do which of course you know all of us have a different concept of what we're really good at or what comes easy right right and it's just so funny to, to for me to see that uh, you know, we've had just countless, endless examples of how, how it is that, you know, we've heard the sayings, if, you know, anything you set your mind to, you can achieve, right? And then we have the proof of, you know, individual human beings out there accomplishing incredible things. Yeah. And then in our daily lives, we have our own individual successes. You know, some of them are, you know, some of us are very successful, but it's funny to see how, like, we may be extremely successful in finance and then in personal relationships, we're terrible. Yeah, yeah. And then we may be very good um, athletes or musicians, naturally, yeah. naturally creative in some artistic sense or naturally gifted, um, you know, in organizational abilities. Right, right, right. But then we, you know, that's what we, that's when we're in sync with that creative power, right? And when that's the case, not a lot of doubt enters into the picture. We just maybe do things effortlessly. We really enjoy it and it's empowering. But then you uh, look at another area of our lives and, you know, there's nothing but doubt, nothing but friction and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. And it's funny because you can't really objectively say that one area of life is so much harder than the others. It's all individual to us. Yeah. But we don't really see that a lot of times. So we are not fully in sync with this creative power. And so it flows and kind of fits and starts, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're great at this one thing, but this other thing is just like a huge challenge. And we don't realize that it's a challenge relative to us. Yeah, We we may be struggling with one thing or another because it's part of our lesson, part of our karma in life, right. our energetic field, however you want to call it. But if we could just maybe see that in a, in a kind of a broader context, then it becomes easier to support each other in becoming freer and more empowered yeah. and less full of doubt, you know, less just, you know, kind of sending out so many contradictory, you know, you were talking about contradictions before. Yeah, we, yeah. we do that a lot. We send yeah, these contradictory yeah. signals out to the universe. Yeah. How is there any wonder that we get the results that we get? Absolutely. That's, that's, that is the key to it all, being aware of the vibration in which you are resonating with and what are you what are you sending out because you're sending something out you know either consciously or unconsciously become conscious of it 
And uh, speaking of, let's, uh, you know, that essentially becoming self-actualized is really what, what we're talking about there. And uh, at this point, what I'd like to do is take uh, a few minutes and uh, pipe in a talk from Deepak Chopra. Um, looks like he, m- many years ago because he looks <laughs> a bit younger in the in the video, but I, I absolutely love this particular talk. Um, and it's called uh, Power of Awareness, Attention and Intention. Uh, and I found this on uh, YouTube, uh, Sherry Greer's uh, YouTube page. And so let's take a minute and listen to what Deepak Chopra has to say about all this. You know, in, in this culture, uh, a very scientific explanation of meditation is that it's the relaxation response. It's to relax. The fact is that yogis, ancient seers, the word yogi comes from the same root as the Latin word yoke, which means to unify the experience of body, mind, and spirit. And the yogis who were the original authors of meditation, these guys were in Himalayas and the caves, they were pretty relaxed to begin with. They weren't trying to relax. They were trying to be more alert. They were trying to eavesdrop on this cosmic mind, on this non-local field of energy and information. And of course, relaxation can be a prelude to that, but please don't think relaxation is the ultimate experience. It's the ultimate experience if we live in a hysterical and melodramatic society. But it's only the prelude to awareness. And awareness is the source of biological information and energy in everything that's alive. The same awareness that filters through this body and creates my world filters through your body and creates another world for you. Same awareness. And in order to get to that awareness, we have to learn to slip in the spaces between thoughts. And when we do that, then we eavesdrop on the software that not only runs the machinery of our own body, but the software that runs the machinery of the universe. And then from that level, if we put our attention on something, then we can activate energy and information. You can use your attention and intention to bring about transformations in the body. It gives you infinite flexibility once you begin to experience your body as a bundle of energy and information and you as the source in the spaces between thoughts as the source of energy and information. Attention is energy, intention is transformation or information. Attention and intention, these are the two components of awareness, which is biological information. And the source of this is in the gap between your thoughts. And all the technologies that are used in the healing traditions of all ancient cultures have to do with the ability to influence energy and informational states as different expressions of consciousness itself. And when you reach a point in your life, when you recognize that, then you begin to have what is called active mastery over life. Active mastery, the closest description to that is in Abraham Maslow's descriptions of the self-actualized person. In Ayurvedic tradition, we say this is the self-referral person. The self-referral person who's not bound or imprisoned by the hypnosis of social conditioning, which is, for the most part, the everyday experience of people. What we call normal in our society is actually the psychopathology of the average. A self-realized person, self-actualized person, according to ancient Vedic tradition, shows at least 10 key characteristics. Number one, their internal reference point has become the spirit, not the ego. They know from their own experience that the spirit is a real force. It may be mysterious, it may be abstract, it may be incomprehensible to most people, but because they have had a direct experience of it, it's their internal reference point. It's more real than gravity, it's more real than time. The second characteristic of this self-realized soul is that they know how to deal with the toxins in their life. The toxins that create havoc in this quantum mechanical body. This refers, of course, to toxic food and toxic drink, but also refers to toxic 
relationships and toxic emotions. The third characteristic of the self-realized soul is that they have shed their need for approval. It is the ego that needs approval. The ego that seeks external power. The ego that needs to control. The need to control, the need for approval, the need for external power are fear-based needs. They are compulsions that are rooted in fear and threat. The fourth characteristic of the self-realized soul is that they can use the mirror of relationship for their own evolution, knowing that those that we love and those that we hate are both mirrors of the self. We're attracted to those people in whom we see things that we want for ourselves and we dislike those people in whom we discover traits that we're denying in ourselves. Relationship is a tool for the evolution of our consciousness. The next characteristic of the self-realized soul is that they are aware of their body as the experience of the spirit. That this body with all its sensuality and its sensuousness is part of a sensuous universe which is full of joy where birds sing and children play and stars glitter and flowers bloom. This is a universe that is alive with consciousness. That to be centered to the experience of the body is to find the presence of God. That if you cannot find God in a flower, if you cannot find God in a rainbow, if you cannot find God in the eyes of a human being or anything else there, in a blade of grass, you will not find God in any book of religion. And the other characteristics of the self-realized soul are life-centered present moment awareness. The past is gone, the future is not here, this moment you're free of both. And then of course there is the need to shed the burden of judgment. If you understand this model then the divine, the diabolical, the sinner, the saint, the victor, the vanquished, they're all different disguises and you need to embrace and know your dark side and become intimate with it if you want to ultimately release it. That you have to replace fear-based behavior with love-based behavior and ultimately begin to see the whole universe as an expression of the self. Because that's all there is, the self. Curving back within myself, I create again and again. I experience this world as an expression of myself. I'm not in the world, the world is in me, I'm not in the body, the body is in me, I'm not in the mind, the mind is in me. They happen to me, all these things, as I curve back within myself and create again and again. I'm the immeasurable potential of all that was, is and will be. And my desires are like seeds left in the ground. They wait for the appropriate season and they blossom into manifestation. And if you ask the seer, why do you do it? What's the purpose? The answer is, it's so interesting, why not? Wow, that was so great, uh, Dalian. I'm sure you agree. I, I just love, uh, you know, everything he talked about. There's a lot of information in a short period of time there. Uh, you know, he talked about things like relaxation being the prelude to awareness and it, slipping into the space between thoughts. Um, and that's really, the, now you're getting into, you know, relaxation, which leads to meditation and, and moving into the, you know, I've heard it called the gap between before, you know, moving into the gap and you're essentially, what a cool way he put it, eavesdropping on you know, the cosmic mind or the software that runs not only your body, but the entire universe. Um, so, you know, meditation, you know, it's just so key. And, uh, you know, I was talking to, speaking of Eben Alexander again, and I know we've re referenced him a lot, but uh, he talked about meditating, you know, two, three hours a day. Um, you know, obviously start with 10 minutes a day. <laughs> Anything mm -hmm. is setting the intention of wanting to, uh, you know, once again, just doing it is, uh, sending an intention to the universe that I want to, you know, I want to get more in tune with, uh, every, you know, the, the source that's running, running all of this behind the scenes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, attention is energy and intention is transformation. Like you talked about. Um, and of course the source is there in the gap between thoughts. So, um, so yeah, I mean, of course, the the points that he talked about he talked about ten different reference points too. Uh, I mean, all of them. These are something, guys. I would recommend rewinding and listening to a few times because it's uh, it's all such uh, relevant, powerful 
uh, information and the difference oh, yeah. between being an unconscious being and living your life unconsciously on autopilot, not really, uh, you know, self-actualized. And, and I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast is, can relate to some of these points and see the ones where they're strong in and where the ones they still have work. You know, you talked about internal reference point uh, is spirit, not ego. Um, of course, that's a big one for all of us to overcome the ego. That's one of the first major steps or to, to keep it in its place. You know, it's, it's not meant to be steering the ship like it has for right. to mankind. loosen the ego. As yeah. To. Yeah. And of course, dealing with the toxins in your life, when you love yourself, truly, you're going to start focusing on, you know, no longer poisoning yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, not needing approval. I can think of people in my past that that was such a big theme for, you know, people that loved everyone so much except themselves. <laughs> uh, and they're so worried what others thought. And, uh, you know, of course, I love, I always talk about the mirror concept. Everything around you is a mirror of your own evolution. So instead of pointing the finger at someone who's, or something that's showing up in your reality, uh, actually reflecting back on the self and saying, okay, I don't like this person's actions, or I don't like this thing that happened to me or event. I'm not going to start pointing fingers out external of self. How do I look within myself and what, how does this in some way mirror back a part of self that, uh, maybe I need to work on or deal with. And it always becomes, um, you know, a, a very uh, personal journey that we're on. Cause at the end of the day, you are the center of your own universe and everything is reflecting back to you. And, um, yeah, I mean, just so many good points there. There were several others, but, um, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed that talk and I hope you guys did. Yeah, that was very inspired by Deepak Chopra. And, uh, it just reminds me that, um, there's so much evidence now, or we really have so much evidence, and it's becoming so clear that the old model, or the current model, you could say, the one that we've been carrying for thousands of years, is just broken. It's yeah. incomplete, and it really doesn't work. It doesn't do what we need it to do. So um, that's what is so heartening about uh, people's experience that we see reflected every day in these news and articles that we read, all these, th- the, you know, the clips that we share, is seeing that um, changing of intention or, you know, just all, all around consciousness shift from giving so much blind allegiance to that old model and just, you know, being really in a way hopelessly lost in it, you know, believing that the material was everything, believing that, you know, uh, these, the way that we've been taught things are is the way they are. When we're finding out that there's just so much more to the whole story, there's just an infinite amount of things we don't know, but our growing understanding mm-hmm. is adding up to a picture that's just a transcendent, beautiful, amazing in every way. And at the same time, it highlights so much of this old model that just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, the, um, it, the, like you said, the ego ways, everything that Deepak Chopra talks about is so indicative of a, an awakened person or someone who is waking up as opposed to someone who is just, you know, tuning into the news every day, you know, following that circus and then, you know, fearful for what's going on on the other side of the globe. Yeah. I see so many encouraging signs that the majority of the planet, in my opinion, wants to live in peace and wants to prosper. And yeah. then, of course, I would guess that maybe up to a third of the uh, whole global population is deeply troubled. Or, or, you know, maybe if, if I'm guessing, I'm going to say no more than a third, right? Yeah, I would say less. I, I, yeah, I think yeah, yes, perhaps course, even way yeah, less. I think but most people are striving and want to do right. It's just, yeah. it's at our core. Yeah. It's just their own dysfunction and, and Yes, pain. it's just that, yeah, it would be so easy to get the um, diff, a different impression, except yep. that there's just so many signs now that we are um, opening our eyes. We're seeing that the old ways don't work and we are really, you know, coming around, so... Well, guys, uh, that is definitely getting down to it today. We had a lot uh, to get out there on this Friday, apparently, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it and it has indeed fed your soul uh, as our intention is to repetitively talk about things in new ways, slightly the same ways, any way to get the information to you and to us, uh, first and foremost. It, it is a, there is no selfless act, and <laughs> and uh, this is a good selfish. Uh, we do this first and foremost to remind ourselves of what's important, and the fact that you're tuning in and benefiting in the process is just uh a huge, huge, huge plus for us. So we thank you so much for tuning in. We would like to engage you more. Um, I'd love to get some more questions. Please uh, write us with a thought or anything, you know, 
just to say hi, but questions that uh, you think may be good to be addressed on the show or things that have you know puzzled you and you'd be curious what our perspective is, write us through the through the site. Leave us a voicemail through the podcast page, uh, you know, on your computer microphone, and we will address it if it uh, you know is uh, one that makes sense in, in the context of the show, and I'm sure it would. So. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Dalian, do we have a song to leave the people with? Yes, I'd like to send them off into their weekend with a lovely, uh, the lovely uh, musical vibes of St. Germain again. Ah, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, his latest uh, that we were listening to a couple nights ago, uh, his release from last year, his self-titled album is called St. Germain. Okay. And it's just awesome. Very jazzy, very organic. Just ah, Perfect great. for going into the weekend. Yeah. So, Except for that person that's living, listening Wednesday at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's still good then, too. You, you'll still enjoy it. Yeah, very exactly, much so. exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this track is called Forget Me Not. It's the last one on, on the album. And uh, yeah. All right, all right. Well... Otherwise, if you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, Your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. (laughs) Otherwise, As you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being. Thank you.